but happy Father's Day. I'm telling you what, nothing speaks Father's Day more than golfing and being out. Now listen, church, you can be encouraged after seeing that video that you know for sure that your staff does not spend too much time golfing. But I love this game of golf. I'm not very good, as you just saw, but I'm reminded kind of in my golf game, it's kind of like what Mark Twain once said. He says, golf is a good way to spoil a walk. Probably in my uh, golf game, it's more like a hike. When I golf, it's like a hike in the Red River Gorge. I mean, I spend a lot of time in the trees. I get to play in the sand. I wash my clubs off in the, in the water. I get the full elements that are there. I'm highly social when I golf. I spend a lot of time in my neighbor's uh, fairway talking to them. They don't seem nearly as excited to see me as I am them. Uh, but it's an amazing game. And, you know, when I think about it, there's kind of three sections I think about in, in a golf game. You have the front nine. Then you have the turn, and then you head into the back nine. And you know, the thing I like about golf is, is this, is that every section builds on the one previous to it. And you know, the same is true as we think even today about fatherhood. Every season of our parenting builds on the next one, and how we're able to navigate the front has a great impact on the back. But you know, just like golf and parenting and being a father, the good news is this, is that even if you struggle, even if your front nine isn't as good as you were hoping, you have time. The end score isn't taken until the 18th hole. And there's always hope for me in that. But it all begins on that front nine, and it begins here. It begins on hole number one. This is my least favorite hole on the entire golf course, mainly because I'm not very good as I've shared. And uh, it's always in front of the clubhouse. And so there's a gallery of people on the patio that are watching. There's a foursome right behind you that are just anxious to get on. And they're always really good golfers. And so I get really nervous as I head on up to the tee. And as I get ready to address the ball, my mind begins to wander about things where I become nervous and insecure and fear and anxiety, you know. What happens if I... I tee off and I slice the ball. And I listen, I normally always slice the ball. And the parking lot is right over here to the right. And the beautiful cars of the windshield, this is going to end badly. I'm, I'm nervous about that. I, I got to the golf course late, and so I haven't had any practice swings. I haven't played in three months. And so what happens if I miss the ball totally? Do I fake it like it was just a warm-up swing? What do I do then? Or if I, I hit a burner that doesn't even make it to the women's tee, am I really going to have to do that thing they say you have to do if you don't make it to the women's tee? And so I'm up here, and I'm beginning to wonder... Do I even like golf? Why am I doing this to myself? Fear and anxiety of what awaits seems overwhelming. It's kind of like fatherhood. I, I remember that day in the, uh, the waiting room before our first son was born and all the emotions that were running through my mind and heart at that time. There was excitement and joy, anticipation, and then there was fear and dread and overwhelming sense of like, I cannot believe this is happening. Praise God, I'm a man, because if it was up to me, we're heading back home. And, and fathers and dads, you, husbands, you may remember that moment where you look at your wife and you think, you are the most amazing person in the world. How in the world are you going to do what these next few moments and hours require. And I, that sense of awe that was there. So all these feelings are coming and you're in the room and, and all of a sudden, poof, you now have a child. Now listen, I know ladies, it wasn't like just poof, but I know all of a sudden in that moment, you're a dad and your mind as you're here begins to race like the responsibility. I'm responsible for another living creature. Can I financially support them? I'm supposed to be a spiritual leader and a father and a husband and and all of it feels so overwhelming at this time. And again, we're going to see today that the beauty is that God is there to help us in our times of even need. 
times where we fall short, but just like golf, every section, every season builds on the next. And so I want to take some time today on this Father's Day, and I want to give you three elements that are important for a godly father, and I want to start with the front nine, where it all begins. And so we're going to look what Solomon has to say in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 11 and 12, and this is what Solomon says. He says, my son... Do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof, for the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. And I love the the book of Proverbs. It's written by King David's son, Solomon. And Solomon is writing it to his son, saying, this is how you can be a godly father. This is how you can have a life of legacy that's here. And we're going to see from King Solomon this, that the greatest treasure of his life was not his earthly possessions, Even though as kings, he had a lot of possessions. The greatest treasure of his life was his children. And we see that really specifically in Psalms. And you may think of Psalms being written only by David, but actually Solomon wrote two of them. And one of them he wrote was the Psalms 127. And here's what he says about the joy of being a father. He says, children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hands. How joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. He will not be put to shame when he confronts his accusers at the city gates. And I love that last part of the verse. You may not be as familiar with that, but it says this. One of the joys will be this, that you can confront your accusers. When there are false accusations made against you as a father, when there is things said about your character, he says this, that your children will someday defend you at the city gates. Men you, men, you know this to be true, that one of the greatest gifts is when your family is your greatest fan, when your family is your defender, when false things come against you, when they stand and say, no, 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 I, I know my dad. I know his heart. I, I know his character. And Solomon says the great joy is when your children will stand in your defense. So how do we get to that point? How on the back nine of our lives, as our lives come to an end, do we get to the point where our children believe in us that much, that we've invested that much into that relationship, that they would defend us at the city gates? Well, we're going to see again that the key to ending well is really to begin well, and so we go back. And I want to today just give you what I'm just calling the, the Father's Triangle. And I love the shape of of a triangle. It's so simplistic, and yet it is so amazingly strong. For all of my engineer friends, like my son, I know you'll know this, that a triangle, when made out of steel, is the only structure that is rigid. All other ones can have pressure put on the corner, and it will deform it in different ways, but a triangle is a strength there. That's why we see triangles used over and over in context of construction. See triangles even in the virtual world. Uh, All of our CGI images are created of many multiple little minute triangles that create it. We find and locate people through what? Triangulation. So again, the triangle is so simple yet so strong. And in our physical world, it has great impact in mathematics, physics, and virtual things. But I want to propose to you today in our spiritual world as fathers, this triangle is profound in terms of how we lead our family, spiritually, and ultimately in the context of our legacy. And so that's where we want to spend some time today with that. And so I want to go back again to the book of Proverbs, where we began. The book of Proverbs is found in the Old Testament. And again, if you've got your Bibles, you can turn there. Or if you've got your phones, go to lexcity.info. All of the sermon notes, I've got a link in there today for you for some things we're going to be talking about. So I encourage you to log on to there. But the book of Proverbs, fascinating book. It's the most read book in all of the Old Testament. 
And Solomon's writing it as a father, or really at a grandfather as this stage of his life. It's a profound book. It's written not for philosophers simply to ponder, but it's written for parents to practice in everyday life. And so let's go look at this together. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 11 and 12, and we'll show it here. He says, My sons, and he starts here, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. And I love how Solomon begins this. He sets the tone with this little phrase, my son. It's interesting, in the book of Proverbs, only 31 chapters, but in the book, 47 times, Solomon refers to that phrase, my son. 16 times, he refers to children or child. And so again, what I want you to hear over and over, this is the heart of a grandfather who's trying to speak into the next generation as we go. And so it begins. So let's look at this father's triangle. Let's start right back here, on, as you'll see this, with the base. It starts here with this idea of instruction. It informs, it equips. This is where it all begins. So go back to this verse. In Proverbs chapter 3, earlier, I want you to hear how Solomon integrates instructions as the responsibility of a father all throughout his teaching. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 and 4, it says this, My son, do not forget my teachings, but let your heart keep my commandments, or my instructions, For the length of days and the years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablets of your heart so that you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Solomon's simply saying this, listen, son, I want you to hear my teaching and I want you to hear my instructions. And if you will follow them, you're going to find favor. I love this. Not only in the sight of God, but in sight of your fellow man. Proverbs chapter 4, he starts the chapter. Listen how he starts again. He says, Hear, O sons, a father's instructions, and be attentive that you might gain insight. For I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. When I was a son with my father, tenderly the only one in sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me, Let your heart hold fast my words. Keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom, get insight, do not forget, do not turn away from the words of my mouth, do not forsake her, for she will keep you. Love her, and she will guard you. And Solomon says, this is what I learned from my father. This is a generational blessing. I learned the power of wisdom to guard it and to cherish it and to hold it tightly. Chapter three of Proverbs. Let's go to chapter five. He says this, my son, says, be attentive to my wisdom. Incline your ear to my understanding that you may keep discretion and your lips may guard knowledge. And Solomon says to us as fathers that men, one of the main responsibilities we have is to give instruction to our children. That's our responsibility. It's not the responsibility of the state. It's not the responsibility of the school system. It's not responsibility of the media. It's not even the responsibility of the church. All those organizations help and stand alongside, but the reality is that responsibility, that obligation, that privilege comes on us as dads. Men, You're going to teach your children what it means to walk in wisdom and walk in integrity. So what's the lessons that we need to learn now in 2020? (laughs) In these days, in these challenging days, these are days that are teachable moments. And fathers, these are the moments that we have to teach to our children. Issues of this, how do we think about issues of race? How do we learn to love people regardless of the color of their skin? How do we deal in this area of reconciliation with with one another? How do we teach our children the importance of personal responsibility, that you are accountable for your actions and your attitudes regardless of what everybody else is doing around you? These are the lessons, I think, for 2020, that fathers, that we are to teach our children. When I think about this issue of race, much of who I am and what I think were lessons I learned from my father. At a very young age, we spent four years in Africa. 
And during those times, listen, we got to understand and love people for who people were. And as a young child, I knew no different. Here's a little picture of my time when we were there. In case you're wondering, I'm the one here up front, and this was an invaluable time. But listen, that's a lesson I learned from my father at a young age. When I was in middle school, I, I shared my bedroom with a college student from Nigeria. And those kind of experiences enriched my life. Those kind of experiences remind me and taught me about what it means to just love people for who they are. Lessons that I saw modeled from my father to me. Dads, here's the question for you. Who has sat around your table with your family who doesn't look like you and your family? Who have you brought into your home that's modeling for your children and your family the value of just loving people? See, I think we're at a point in 2020, it's time to really turn off the TV. It's time to quit listening to all the rabble like we talked about a couple weeks ago. And it's time to just break bread with our brothers and sisters. And in those, not only do we enrich our own hearts, but we teach the next generation what it means to love and to care for people. As a church family, this, these values are so important to us. It's so important for me. So we've done a couple things to just kind of help you as we continue as a family to just continue to, the conversation of how do we love each other like Jesus has called us to love? How do we love our neighbor as ourselves? Well, again, if you're logged on to lexcity.info, we've got a little tab there that just deals with some issues of racial reconciliation. There's some resources, some books, some videos, things that you can watch, things that you can learn as we continue to try to just keep the conversation going. How do we learn to mutually love and respect one another? How do we learn at a time of hatred and division to understand that at the foot of the cross, we're all equal? How do we understand how to love our brothers as ourselves? And so we're gonna continue as a church family. We value this and we value the conversation. And so these are just some of the tools that I wanna encourage you in the days and weeks to come to begin to access them. But these are things, again, that we learn from our parents. Dads, the, the goal is this, for us to have our children replicate in their hearts and their characters the things that we, they see in us. And the goal is for us to replicate the things that we see in, in our heavenly father. So I wanna talk a little bit more about that idea. So what are three things, as you think about for your children, what are three things that you want to see duplicated in their life? At the end of their life, these are the three things that you want to be true in the life of your kids. You know, I've thought about that question. For me, one of those was, is I really want my kids to love the local church. Now you may say, well, you're a pastor. Well, of course your kids are gonna love the local church. Listen, some of you are smiling because you know it's because I am a pastor that it's the great challenge for my children to love the local church. They, they get to see behind the curtain the good, the bad, the joys, the sorrow that come with that. But it's value to me that my kids would learn to love. And so I'm so grateful to be able to share that not only do my kids love the local church, that they love our church. Here's a little picture a couple weeks back at our, when we just opened as a church, and I'm so grateful for this because my kids were here and they're cleaning the bathrooms and they're caring for people. But it was a value for me from early on. I want my kids to love Jesus and I want them to love the local church. So what are the things in your life, dads? What are three things that you want to pass on to the next generation? To see not only in your kids, but in your grandkids and the things to come. And I wanna encourage you, the way to do that is just to be intentional, to say, I'm gonna build these characteristics into the lives of my children. You know, part of that thing that we are called to pass on has got to be a spiritual element to that. And we, the goal has got to be not only that we lead our kids to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, but that we help disciple and grow them. I, I love the way the, the old preacher Charles Spurgeon once said, he, his saying was simply this. He says, before a child reaches seven, tell them about the ways that they can get to heaven. 
And Spurgeon's point was, listen, as dads, a responsibility at these young ages, we've got to input intentionally into the lives of our children these spiritual things and then grow them and disciple them as they go, that they would grow up to be men and women who love the Lord. Solomon's point, Spurgeon's point, is that discipleship begins in the home. And dads, it begins with you and I and our willingness to step in the gap for that. It, it, as you think about how we can do that, sometimes that feels daunting and overwhelming. So I just want to encourage you as a church, we, we want to come alongside you. We want to support you. We want to give you resources to be more effective as a father. And so again, we've got resources for our kids' ministry and through our student ministries. And again, you can go to lexcity.info and continue to find ways as a church that we want to equip you. It's a high calling. It's a hard calling, but it's what God has called us to do. And see, the front nine in a golf course is so important because it sets up how we're going to play the back nine. The same is true in our lives with our children. But there's a thing between the front nine and the back nine, and that's the turn. If you haven't golfed before, when you head to the first nine, you usually head back to the clubhouse, and then you turn to go play the back nine of a golf course. Now, the turn is my favorite part because, again, not that great of a golfer, but I love the turn because the clubhouse is there. So I get my hot dogs, I get my pop, and I get a chance just to reflect and refresh as we go. And that becomes really important, especially like for me, the first nine holes usually aren't that great. So I just get a chance to kind of recenter myself, make some corrections and then move on to the back. Golf Digest gave suggestions. He says this, they say, take a moment to refocus your goals, replenish your energy, hydrate. And then they give us various suggestions on what you should hydrate with, depending on how bad your front nine was as you go. But it gives a suggestion of this, that golf is more mental than physical. And one suggestion was this, that in the last nine holes, break it up into three whole sections. Small victories lead to big victories, and just take it one step at a time. So dads, as you think about where you are in the season of parenting, what's your score? How are you doing? Where do you need to make adjustments? Where do you see in the lives of your children Maybe there's some attitudes or actions where there just needs to be some correction and some molding, ways that we need to do that. Where do you need to adjust? You know, one father did this as he looked at his scorecard partway through the first nine holes. He said simply this. He says, I took my children to school, but not to Sunday school. I taught them to drink, but not the living water. I showed them how to fish, but not how to be fishers of men. I made the Lord's Day a holiday rather than a holy day. The great news is just like in the game of golf, there's still time. No matter how you scored on the front nine, you still have the back nine to get to the score that you wanted to and that you are striving to. And the beauty as a father, listen, when we partner with Jesus in the raising and the discipling of our kids, there's always hope. There's always change that can come through him. And that really leads us to the second part of our triangle. So the second part of the triangle, we find back in Proverbs chapter three. Look at the second part of the verse. It says this, for the Lord reproves him whom he loves. The Lord reproves whom he loves. Let's look back at this triangle. The second part is this. It's correction, adjustment, and strength. Solomon is teaching us something here that's not a very popular lesson in today in our, in our culture. He's reminding us that correction gives evidence of how much we love and care for the well-being of our children. We live in a time when we just want our kids to, to like us. We want them to think we're cool. We want to be their best friends and if we're not careful, we sacrifice that desire to be liked for the need for correction in their lives. A mom shared of her child, she says, every time I get ready to discipline my child, he says, well, see, you don't really love me. Ask how old their child was. Well, he's five. And I want to remind you, listen, 
I'm far more worried about how my child thinks about me when they're 25 than when they're five. If we're not careful, we allow ourselves to be emotionally manipulated by our children even at a young age. Correction is an evidence of love. I was reminded of a picture I've got here that's one of my favorite pictures I've got down in my man cave, and it's simply a picture of this. It's a picture of Coach Landry and Roger Stallback, back in the days of the Dallas Cowboys, one of my favorite things. And Coach Landry said this when it comes to leading men. He made a simple quote. He says this, The job of a coach is to make men do what they don't want to do in order to achieve what they've always wanted to achieve. And I love that. It's a great reminder. I think it's a goal as our fathers. Our goal is to help our children achieve what God wants them to do. And at times that's going to mean that we have to make them do things that they don't want to do. And that was the story really of Coach Landry. I I still have my, my first comic book I ever bought was this one, Coach Landry and the Dallas Cowboys. And it goes on to tell the story, their Super Bowl win and their relationship with Roger Stahlbeck. But it comes back to, I think the thing that I've admired even as I've gotten older with Coach Landry was that. It's the role of a coach to help men do things that they don't want to do in order to achieve what they want to achieve. Dads, can I remind you, it's easier to prepare a boy than it is to repair a man. Don't miss that. It's either easier to prepare a girl than it is to repair a woman. Correction gives evidence of our profound love and care and concern for our children. The key is in that correction. We just have to A, do it in love, and we have to do it in the mindset that this is what helps move them towards more godly discipline and the characteristics of Jesus. And if it's done with that mindset, correction is such a powerful thing. Well, the final nine holes of golf is where we head back to the clubhouse. We're heading back here, and this is the key part because it's going to build off the front nine holes that we've played. We're either going to be sitting in good shape or we're going to have some work we've got to do to make it up. But the beauty is that we can make it up. The last part that Solomon says in Proverbs chapter 3, look at 11 and verse 12, and Solomon ends it this way. He says, as a father, the son in whom he delights. And I love this. It's the heart of Solomon, that he delights, that he cherishes his his children. And we're going to see it again, that that third leg on the father's triangle is this idea of, of affirmation. Affirming our children and who they are and what they do and how we see Jesus in their lives. Affirmation, you'll see from the triangle, does what? It brings stability into the lives of our children. And fathers of young daughters. I have two sons, so I have missed this wonderful joy. But can I remind you, fathers of daughters, listen, your affirmation is critical. Dr. James Dobson, a focus on the family from years ago, wrote a book that said The Complete Marriage. And here's what he says. He says, most psychologists believe, and I am one of them, that all future romantic relationships to occur in a girl's life will be influenced positively or negatively by the way she perceives and interacts with her dad. If he rejects and ignores her, she will spend her life trying to replace him in her heart. If he's warm and nurturing, she will look for a lover to equal him. If he thinks she is beautiful, worthy, and feminine, she will be inclined to see herself that way. Dads, especially dads of daughters, your role is critical in molding and shaping her into the woman that she'll be. She'll be. In LexCity.info, I've included in the sermon notes a little link to focus on the family. It's a great little article, and I'd encourage you who are dads with daughters, a great read. So dads, your affirmation creates in them stability, and the other part it creates in them is confidence. 
Fathers of young sons, listen, if, when you affirm your son in what you see, you're going to see his, his confidence grow, his wings go out, and he's be willing to try and to do great things and even fail if he knows that you believe in him and trust him in those things. It's such a powerful thing. Young boys flourish when they're affirmed. Here's what's amazing. It's not just young boys. It's old boys. I'm 52, and I still call my dad every week, and I love to hear his affirmation. Did he think Sunday's sermon went well? Did things go well? Why? As sons, we always are looking for the affirmation of our fathers. It's such a powerful thing, dads, we can do for our children. Grandparents. I'm not quite at that season yet, but I will be soon. Listen, your willingness to intentionally find ways to affirm your adult children is critical. Find ways to affirm them in, in ways they're parenting. Affirm them in ways they're providing for your grandchildren. Affirm them in ways when you see spiritual elements being lived out in their home. Listen, you've got kids who are parenting who are surrounded by negativity and criticism, never feeling like they're ever doing a good enough job. Can I just encourage us as grandparents? May we be an oasis of affirmation for our adult children and watch them flourish. Watch them nurture in amazing ways. It's the Father's Triangle. Let's look at it one more time. It starts with instruction. It moves to correction. And then it's all tied back with affirmation. Simple and yet strong and powerful. Profound in the lives of our children. Profound in the ways of leaving legacy. See, Dad, this, the, the calling on your life is difficult. Being a spiritual leader in your home is hard. The demands are great, but this is something that God has called us to. You can do it. It won't be easy, but God has called us to do this. Why is it so important? Don't miss this. Because how your children view their earthly father has great impact on how they view their heavenly father. When your child prays to the Lord, how he interacts with the Lord is so many times dramatically impacted about how they interact with you. Are you a kind and loving and consistent father? Responsibility is great. The challenges are hard. How do we do that? Can I just encourage you? Begin with number one is just men love your wives. It's important. You model this. Your daughters are going to grow up and marry a man one day, and they need to know what they are looking for in the man they're going to marry. Fathers, you serve as that role model. Dad, your son is going to grow up one day and he's going to marry a woman and he needs to know what it looks like to be a man who loves his wife and walks in wisdom and walks in integrity day in and day out. That's why God's placed you in this role, to be that example. Now listen, as you hear about those, can I just read, don't beat yourself up. None of us are perfect fathers. We all have fallen short in many, many areas. None of our kids are ever perfect, no matter how hard we try. And so the beauty is this, fatherhood's a lot like golf. See, the pursuit is perfection, but in reality, we all fall short of that. And that's the joy of the journey. And as a follower of Jesus, what I love as a, as a Christian father is in the areas that I fall short as an earthly father are the places that my heavenly father fills the gap. The places where I let my kids down are the places the consistency of God is able to nurture and build in their hearts in such a powerful place. So dads, as you think about this Father's Day, and you're up on that tee box getting ready to take off. Can I just encourage you? Just take a deep breath. Enjoy the journey. Enjoy the calling and the responsibility of being a father. Let's pray together. 
Father, today on this day, I just take time to pray for my fellow dads. It's an amazing calling. It's an overwhelming calling it is to be a, a father. It's a gift. It's a joy. But God, we acknowledge today that we need your help. We acknowledge today there's places on the front nine that we might have fallen short. There's places in the back nine we might have fallen short. And in those times, we ask for just your grace and your mercy to cover us. So Lord, for our dads today, let, may they heed the words of Solomon. May they instruct and may they correct and may they affirm. And may we live a legacy that someday that our children and our children's children will defend us at the city gates. In your name we pray, amen.